Listener Production. Coming up on the Footy Talk podcast for your Mondays, we've got a man on debut, Ryan Daniels, journo, Triple M, Channel 7 from Perth. He'll be here talking all things injuries and MRO. We discussed the umpiring, how Carlton are flying, Gorn and Grundy in the news again, plus the possibility that I am the number one newsbreaker in the business. This is the Footy Talk podcast coming up next. Yes, hello and welcome to Footy Talk for your Monday. A massive addition this is going to be. Abby Holmes not in here, of course. She's gone away and she's on a helicopter ride as we speak, so she couldn't help me out. Jay-Z Clark, well, he's officially been sacked from the Footy Talk podcast, but on debut, making his mark and filling in, of course, from now on, is the man from Perth, Triple M's Perth, Channel 7 Perth. If you are a Perthanality, you know who he is. Ryan Daniels, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Daisy. Uh, yes, Abby Holmes, I can think I can see her chopper up in the sky <laughs> as we speak, just giving her a nice wave. Um, yeah, the Stephen Bradbury of this podcast turns out. Everyone has else said no, so in comes Rhino from WA. But no, I'm excited to be here, mate. Big weekend of footy. Massive couple of weeks coming up in terms of the finals implications. Very exciting time if you're an AFL fan. Absolutely. Still wide open that spots uh, down the bottom of the top eight. For full clarification, though, Abby Holmes was meant to be here. And at 10 o'clock last night, she said, guys, I'm unable to make it. She's away in the NT and she has to go on a helicopter ride, a joy ride. So she said she can't help us out. So she's been officially sacked. So it's just you and I shooting the shit this afternoon, which I'm very much looking forward to. Mm. Oh, it turns out, you know, sometimes when you chopper, and you know this, Daisy, because you chopper everywhere. I do. And, Preferred and mode change, of transport. Yeah. And it's, it's just easier to get around. And you, when they change your timing of your chopper, it just, it's so flattening. And I feel for Abby, because this is a real first world problem. This is a genuine first world problem. Uh, we absolutely live for it too. Hey, we do start off with three things we've learned from the round. So I'll happily kick it off here. I'm going to start with the umpiring, because... I still feel we're late in the season, but there's a few things that are really annoying me, frustrating me, giving me the ick when it comes to footy at the moment. Now, there was three over the weekend. The first one was, of course, Jeremy Cameron receiving a handball next to a guy getting a beer at the <laughs> at the food stand. <laughs> I don't understand how they can get that horribly wrong. So I start there. We move on to the touch decision and just how have we not evolved in a game that's worth so much money to this mm arc system that just does not work. And then, of course, the one yesterday with James Sicily playing on from fullback and Riley West, I think it was, came from behind the goals and got him holding the ball. The umpiring at the minute is shambles and needs to be addressed. What's remarkable to me, and you touched it on there, is that is some of this is avoidable. I mean, you're going to get mistakes, right? Yep. Umpires are going to make mistakes, just like players. We see it at every single level, and that's fine. We get it. It's a tough job. But it's the stuff that's avoidable. And the, the, the Cameron one that you mentioned in particular, I mean, oh. Blind Freddy could see that that was out. As you said, he was six rows deep at the uh, MCG. It was, it was insane. In the moment, it was like, how is this being allowed to happen? And, and it was the second one of the night. And the weird thing is the AFL ticks off on it and says, no, it's fine. A very strange turn of events. And then the goal line technology just is not up to scratch. Like, it needs to be better. Like we, this is 2023. At this point, we're running with technology you could have had in 25 years ago. It's it's nuts to me. We should have a chip in the ball. We should have more cameras on that post. We should have sensors. There should be some way of controlling this because this stuff really does matter. Absolutely. Like this stuff can, it's going to impact top four. It's going to impact top eight. It's going to impact, it could impact careers in different ways. It, it, it does actually matter. And yet we still toy with it like it is this old school archaic system. 
I'm a horse racing enthusiast, and the fact that they can have a photo finish down to a millimetre with animals yeah. going 65, 70 kilometres an hour, but we can't get a ball that's come in 50 metres away and drops on a goal line, we can't sort it out, I just don't understand. And to your point, there is the technology available, obviously. It's just that we haven't, as an industry so far, invested in the right technology. And if that decision on the weekend, if you're a Melbourne fan and that cost you a grand final or it was decided like that, I'm not sure if you can just let it go. Would there is there possibilities to you know take it to inquiries and litigation and all this sort of stuff? Well, look, it, it, uh, that's very rare. I mean, there's an argument for it. Typically what happens in footy is it moves on so quickly that we just go, oh, well, that just wasn't our day. Yeah. And you move on and you take on the next round. But it, it just shouldn't be like that. We should have absolute clear clarification on this stuff. It's not that hard. As you say, the technology is available. Hopefully we can sort something else coming into finals because we don't need any controversies no. there. My second point today is Carlton, just Carlton. Now, where we film this Footy Talk podcast, Dave Hughes is across the hallway and he came to me about a month ago and he said, I think we've turned a corner. And I looked at Hughesy in a similar look that he gives a lot of people, like, you are an absolute twat, what are you talking about? And every week I've rolled in with my tail between my legs because this is a side that seven, eight weeks ago were calling for the coach's head. They needed a new board. They simply wanted to burn down Icon Park. The fans were going berserk, and I'm not sure how much of that frustration made it to mm. Perth, but the turnaround has been absolutely remarkable, and I don't know who to pump up first. Do we go with the coach, Michael Voss, who the whole time said, no, we're going to stick to this. It's not as bad as it seems we'll sort it out. Do you go to the leaders like Paddy Cripps, who again on the weekend was awesome, Sam Doherty playing a starring role, and now the fans – well, I hope the people that burnt their micro, uh, memberships in the microwave and threw everything out and tossed their scarves in the bin have been able to find another one because this side, and Lee Montagna went with it yesterday on our Sunday rub, is not only going to play finals, but a chance to do some serious damage and he believes can go all the way. I think he's right. And I look at it now and I'm... I'm looking forward to that grand final this year and I'm thinking, geez, if it, if it somehow pans out that we got a Collingwood-Carlton grand final. I mean, big week for you, obviously, Days. It would just be – imagine the cashies on Let the side the stars there for Daisy Thomas. I've got a wedding to pay for. <laughs> I will be available. Hit me up at footytalk underscore pod. I will come to the opening of anything. that I'll come talk to grade threes if you need me to about what it means to play for both sides. You'll be paying You'll be paying for the wedding, the honeymoon, the house, everything, the mate. Helicopter. You'll be doing the, the, the chopper, exact, the landing pad on top of the, on the roof. Um, I think – I think the credit goes to everybody. The board needs credit too for holding firm because I think at the time when people were calling for Vossi's head, they just said, no, he's our guy. Let's be patient. Um, so that that deserves some credit too because too often we see clubs panic and make rash decisions because of immediate results. They had a long-term view. So that's great. Absolute credit to Vossi because I can imagine it would have been extremely hard for a coach oh, under yeah. that much pressure and so him to persevere. And you mentioned the players too, Paddy Cripps. And they've done this with injuries too. Sam Walsh hasn't played a lot recently. Adam Chera's obviously missed. Harry Mackay's out. So it's a lot of those second-tier guys stepping up. Nicky Newman, George Hewitt, uh, Jack Martin's been fantastic. Um, even Paddy Dow showing some stuff. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a whole club feel. And I do think that if you talk Talking about momentum, there's only two weeks to go in the regular season. That they have probably more momentum than anybody, even more than yeah. Collingwood. So it's it's going to be fascinating. It's great when the Blues are up and about. It's good for footy. And as I said, that grand final, mate. If it is Collingwood, Carlton, just 
Set yourself. Set yourself up. I'm setting myself regardless. <laughs> I need one of them to get in there. Let's be frank with that. My third point now is seven into three, and you sort of touched on it there. The Blues have locked away a spot. and They have to go. I think it's a 99-point-something percent chance that they play finals. It would have to go horribly wrong for them to miss out. We won't even put that out there. They're as good as in. But six through 13th is still a live chance to be playing finals. Now, the sixth spot is currently occupied by the Saints, who had a really good win yesterday against the Tigs, but we'd imagine they need to win one more of their games on the way home. The mm-hmm. Swans have now elevated themselves all of a sudden. Talk about a back half resurgence. They've come from the clouds. They're into seventh. The Western Bulldogs just don't want to hold their spot. They're in eighth. But Eston, the Giants, Geelong, and the Adelaide Crows and the Crows especially, I think, become the interesting one. So they've got an easier run home. I think they've got the Swans and West Coast to finish the year. They've got mm. a greater percentage than the sides in 6th, 7th, and 8th. It is just well and truly wide open. The fact that we're hypothesizing about a side that's two games out when there's, what is there, eight points deciding and differential from the 6th through 12th spot, still incredible at any one spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And St Kilda's the interesting one because their draw is tough, right? They've got Geelong. Luckily for them, it's at Marvel. So you get a bit a bit more hope than going have to go down to Alphabet Stadium down there. And then you've got Brisbane at the Gabba, which is, as we know, Brisbane at the Gabba is a formidable um, opponent. So it, I'm not sure St Kilda's guaranteed anything yet. They're going to have to pinch one of those two wins to guarantee themselves a spot. Uh, and then it trickles down. The Dogs losing that game on the weekend to Hawthorne has put them in a very vulnerable position. Of those teams... Oh, and I suppose it's Essendon, GWS, Geelong, and Adelaide. Not who you think is going to make it, but give me an answer on who do you think, if they snuck in, could cause some problems? Who is the one most likely to cause a round one upset in the finals? Say, let's say Carlton stay fifth. Who would you be most nervous about playing? Well, I think you can narrow that down to two, and that would be GWS and the Crows. Uh, obviously the cats are the old tried model, but I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that they're producing their best often enough. We've seen the crows already. They took it right up to the pies a couple of times who were the benchmark at that point. They've rolled port now twice this season who are the second best side. They are, and when they're up and going, they play a brand that can really challenge the best. They've got elite foot skills. They've got a lot of good users. And that forward line potency, we text down there, Phil Thorpe, Rochelle, Rankin was down there. Obviously, he's out still with that hamstring. But mm. they have avenues to go. So I think either them or the GWS Giants, who have the Toby Green factor, will be giving it a real shake. So cannot wait. The next fortnight is going to be absolutely awesome. The machinations is the word of the next fortnight. Oh, yeah. Every time you hear that, put a dollar in your jar and come first week of finals, you'll be a multi-millionaire. Hey, you've got three of your owns. Let's uh, roll through them. Yeah, I do. I uh, love machinations. I wanted to talk about uh, the Fremantle Dockers. They've had a disappointing season, absolutely flattening season. Uh, I think they're 14th now. Uh, they had that patch at the start of the year where they were super ordinary. It really dug a hole for them. They got going, and then after after the bye, I think they lost six of seven, yep. and that just sunk it. It was over from there. Now, they've played a couple of good games since. They beat Geelong and Geelong, nearly beat Brisbane last week, and then obviously hammered the living hell out of West Coast. Now, my point with them is that as much as this has been a disappointing year, I actually think it might be the best thing for them. Now, had they made finals this year, which I think many expected them to, I think there's no chance they would have won the flag. They were not a flag contender. They would have had to pinch one. Now, is it better for them to sneak into eighth, play a final or two, um, you know, hope for the best, or is it better to go through some adversity? Now, I reckon they've taken steps backwards this year, but let me rattle off the players on their list that are 24 and under. You ready for this? I am. I'm going to take notes. Andy Brayshaw. Yeah, Michael Frederick, Sam Sturt, Jordan Clark, Caleb Sarong, Hayden Young, 
Liam Henry, Luke Jackson is 21. Heath Chapman, who we haven't seen much this year. Uh, Brandon Walker, who's a great little small defender. Matthew Johnson, who's a rising star nominee. Jai Amos is 20. And Neil Erasmus has been playing some really good footy too. He's 19. They are stacked with young talent. You're throwing Brennan Cox and Sean Darcy, who are both 25. They are stacked. And their real window probably isn't for another two years if you're basing it on age alone. So I'm not too worried about the future of the Fremantle Dockers. Yes, this season's been a dog's breakfast. uh, But I think in some ways, it's a reality check for them. They go back to the board and they go, right, okay, how do we get this going again? And maybe they learn from it. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Oh, mate, that nucleus there, that is something you can build a genuine football side around for the next five years I didn't mm. understand and probably a little bit of the east coast versus west coast factor is that we don't obviously or go into a great deal of depth or detail about Freeman and we just look at it on surface value and say hey they haven't performed as well but when you talk about some of those names and they're just not fringe players they are already stars Brayshaw your Sarongs mm. uh, Jai Amos is going to be a really good player as well for a very long time Luke Jackson we've seen what he can do on the big stage for the D's that is a, a very impressive list and Mm. right now the initial thought is well they've already underachieved this season when you put it like that but the chance you're right to bounce back and launch next year um, probably a better thing than limping into a final that's a fair point well done yeah, exciting times for the future of the Dockers if they can get it right my second point is Max Gorn and Brodie Grundy now when Brodie Grundy came out of the side about a month ago Something clicked for Max Gorn, right? He became the best ruckman in the competition again. He's dominating games. They're winning games. Brody Grundy's trying to play VFL. I think there was a buy in there. He couldn't play it. He's working on forward craft. And then at some point, because he's Brody Grundy, you've got to bring him back because yep. he's a big name. He's, he's paid money, good money. Um, you can't just leave him languishing in the VFL. You bring him back and it doesn't work. And I'm not saying that's why they lost the game on the weekend. I mean, you can argue they should have won the game. Um, but it just it didn't flow as well as it has in the past months. I don't think those two can play together. I think coming into this season, I was just so intrigued by, how's this Gorn Grundy thing going to work? Is it going to work? And I think we have enough information now to say that it does not work. And they're a better side when Gorn is a solo ruck. And they've got a, a more of a traditional forward. Now, obviously, Harrison Petty's injury mean they need to bring someone in who's tall and can take a grab. I just don't think it works going forward. I think they're going to have to look at making a move next year because it's just the chemistry isn't right and it's clogged up and it's not really fair on either of the two players and the team's not as good when they're both playing. I want to see this another couple of weeks. I want to get a nice dry day at the MCG or at one of the venues because on – the weekend, Saturday night, it was rainy, it was wet, and it's not conducive for a bloke who's trying to learn mm-hmm. forward craft to go in and try and have any real impact. And we, the discussion came post-game. I was like, well, uh, Brody Grundy played on Jacob Wiedering, who's a really solid defender, probably more so than solid. He, he's becoming a really reliable and almost to a star defender. He had zero impact on that game. Max Gorm was then beaten by the tag teaming of DeConing and Pitnet, when usually he can graft them down. So... It presented a different look that Carlton were able to exploit, but mm. I still reckon Brody Grundy and what he did was as much as what a Tom McDonald or a Brent Brown would have done. So I'm still a little bit optimistic that they can make something out of it. Again, small sample size the other night, but would like to see it again on a dry day. Well, to, and to be fair, good points. It, it only takes one. And if they get into a final and Brody Grundy steps up and kicks three, everyone will forget 
all of this stuff. Correct. The discussion disappears. Um, so there's still hope for that. You only need one game to make it work. Um, and my last point is there was some confusion. Now, everyone was watching Carlton Melbourne on Saturday night, I'm sure. But at the Derby, which was ugly, 101-point win for Fremantle, at the start of the game was some really intriguing stuff going on. So Brady Hoff, young defender for the West Coast Eagles, he's in the warm-up, he's in the huddle. We're talking 30 seconds before the game starts, Right. There's some confusion. We noticed it on Triple M during the call. Like, what's going on with Brady Hoff? He's talking to the doctors. He's talking to the coach. So it turns out, and Brady Hoff uses Ventolin, right? Yep. So he needs Ventolin to get through training sessions, weeks, that sort of stuff. Uh, the doc's gone up to him pre-game because he's been ill all week. He's like, how are you feeling? You all right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Can I just get another puff of the Ventolin? And the doc said, how many have you had today? He said, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. And doc's gone, no, you can't. So apparently there's a limit of Ventolin that you're allowed. You're only allowed, say, six puffs in a day on game day. Yeah. And he'd already gone past that. So the doctor in the moment, credit to this doc from the West Coast Eagles, he noticed immediately and said, nah, you can't have another one. You're out. So they've had to make the decision in that 30 seconds to pull Brady Hoff out of the game and replace him with Jack Williams, who's up in the stands eating a pie, who's had to come running down. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the doctor. Phenomenal effort. And it just shows you how close that communication part is. It's so significant because if if he has another puff and he gets tested post-game and that comes up, he's suddenly looking at, you know, a, a really difficult situation. Or four years it'll be because it's under there the you go. ASADA code. There you go. So that that potentially career ending for Brady Hoff. So it's it's so such a fine line and this stuff it can come down to just that one moment and just lucky that he asked for that extra puff. Uh, because he would have been in real trouble. Absolutely. No, full credit to that doctor because that is brilliant. Obviously, you are allowed a baseline for people that have do have asthma, but if you yeah. go above that and, as you say, you're tested on match day, that comes under the ASADA system and you'd be ruled out. A similar thing happens with the Sudafed. Um, obviously, yes. blokes early in the week are allowed to have a small amount um, if they are sick, but you've got to make sure it's out of your system come game day because, again, pseudoephedrine on game day is an illicit substance, an illegal substance, if you will, not illicit, illegal. Um, Very, very good by you. Strong, strong start. We need to get to a few other things after the break. We're going to talk about Kenny Hinckley. The little Carlton predicament is Harry Mackay in their best 22. Plus, you'll give us an MRO and injury update. This is the Footy Talk podcast. Plenty more coming up next. This is the Footy Talk Podcast. If you have a question for us, get on the Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod. Myself, Daisy Thomas and Ryan Daniel still with you here discussing all the big issues. Now, one of them, you're not going to believe this, Ryan. I know you're the newsy man, mm. but we have a segment over here. We call it Hit Your Caravan. You've got to go with something that you think might come true or you might have got a little nudge and a wink here, then you've got a little bit of insight. So yesterday... I went with the fact that Kenny Hinckley is going to re-sign for two years during this week. As a part of that, there will be a succession plan with Josh Carr after he removed himself from the Richmond race. Now, I had zero intel and so I just put two and two together. (laughs) But it seems after this... I'm not sure if people were listening to me and liked it or they've actually got some intel and done some digging and research. Tom Morris has gone with it on SEN. Warren Treadgray has gone with it. On the Twitter. Now, we know that's probably not the safest source considering he wanted Kenny Hinckley sacked after round three. <laughs> but do you know anything? Do you think this is well, happening? And I, am I the number one newsbreaker in the game? 
One of two things is happening here. Either you've just gotten very lucky yes. and just added two and two together and it's and it's come up with four, or uh, you've started a bit of Chinese whispers and it's just trickling <laughs> along through the AFL system. Now, there's also a third scenario here where Channel 7 hears this and goes, hey, Tom Brown's leaving. Oh, we need, a, we need a news breaker. Yep. Dale Thomas is the one dropping bombs now. You know, you've got to think about your future here, mate. This you is- could be... On Seven News, alongside Mitch Cleary, just breaking big bombshell stories like the Ken Hinckley one that you did. I think if I did have a sit down with Channel 7, though, they'd probably want to know. Actually, I can just say it's my sources because then you don't have to reveal it. You're protected by that, mate. I can literally make up as much shit as I want. (laughs) And I probably put it to you that a fair few of these things that these blokes (laughs) run with from time to time are just something they've gained from, you know – out of space and gone, hang on a minute, this makes sense to me. <laughs> Boom. I would say there's a me. lot of two plus two equals three, four, five, six, or seven sometimes from, from some in the industry. Correct. But there's a lot of good operators too. Uh, no, look, that's interesting. And I, I know Josh Carr's thought of very, very highly. He was here at Fremantle as an assistant coach uh, and they loved him. And I think that they've taken a step backwards in their in their midfield this year while they've lost him and then trying to sort of get their feet back on the ground and cover for the loss of Josh Carr. So he is definitely a coach in waiting. So whether or not Porter smart enough to lock him in and say, let's do succession, or if uh, he goes somewhere else. But, mate, succession plans don't work. I, I no know you've chance. been very close to one uh, of them before. It does. It just doesn't work. It, it, you can't have two big dogs in, in the park. It, it, there's always one big dog. And if you've got another dog sitting there going, well, I'm going to be the big dog. You have to move it out to the side. The chemistry doesn't work. We've seen it. Malthouse, Buckley, Clarkson, Mitchell. It just does not work. So... I'm not sure whether, and again, this is the one that does work because history tells us it won't, but I'm absolutely really sure that Kenny Hinckley's that way inclined as well. But we don't know. We are hypothesising, but I am the number one newsbreaker. Another story <laughs> over here, a story that is, is are Carlton better without Harry Mackay? And is he a walk-up start if mm. he gets himself fit coming into finals? This is a great debate because he's a Coleman medalist he hits the scoreboard. Yes, he had the yips early on in the season. But it seems since he's gone out, Charlie Curnow's been awesome in games but also hasn't had much impact. But the side itself seems to be functioning, scoring and defending a lot better. I've had a theory about Carlton for a really long time and um, it's that they just had too many stars. I know that's a weird thing to say, but they had this incredible high-end talent, Walsh and Cripps and Chera and uh, Big Kernart at the top and Harry and then you got Weedering down back and these, Doc, the absolute stars, A-graders. But you, you didn't have enough coming from the second and the third tier of the players because it's just the responsibility was left to too few. And you remove a couple of them. And I'm not saying this, you know, you don't want Sam Walsh playing, you don't want Adam Cherry, you don't want Harry Mackay. But it's amazing how you see these second and third tier guys step up and they fill the holes and they go, oh, I've got to do a bit more. And then maybe Charlie goes, hey, Harry's out. I've got to, I've got to lift here. It's, this is clearly my forward line now. I've got to be the big man. And, and he does that. And we know he's got that personality, right, to be the big guy. Uh, and, and everybody just lifts a bit. Paddy Cripps has clearly lifted since Sam Walsh has been out of that team. Uh, I'm not saying you don't want those players playing, but it's almost like an addition by subtraction. So you'd be looking at it thinking, geez, if we don't have Harry going forward, we're not a worse side. Are we better with him? Maybe. But, but we're definitely not worse without him. So it's, it's an interesting predicament that Carlton have themselves in because – and if you're Harry, you're sitting there going, oh, geez, they don't, they don't need me as much as I thought they did. But look, he's a fantastic player. You'd obviously much rather have Harry Mackay on your football club list, 100%. 
But chemistry is a funny thing in footy. I think it is just a pure coincidence that the fact that he sort of stepped away and they've gotten better. I think you put a bloke who has the ability to kick four, five, six goals in any sort of forward line. But to your point, it's not the stars that have gotten better. It is the bottom six, bottom eight players. You think of Akers, Holland, Chincotta, Owies. Newman's turned into a mm. superstar off halfback. He's rolling like Andrew McLeod at the minute. Fogarty as well. Yep. These blokes are the ones who are driving and bringing the – the rest of them with them. So, yeah, for what it's worth, I think Harry Mackay is a walk-up start any time he gets there. Hey, MRO news. There's only a little bit going around. Brody Smith escapes suspension for striking Hipwood. Yep. You happy with that? Yeah, not light week for the MRO. Clearly, they don't want to do too much work at the tribunal this week. So, very, very light. I'm happy with that one. It's a little bit interesting that they are going light on because usually by this time of year, there's fines going everywhere for that end of season party. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Rose has also been fined for rough contact. And Michael Walters and Tom Cole both cleared for their stoush in the uh, derby. Yeah, and I thought Walters, uh, there was a tackle on Alex with it, and, and this is going against the player's code. Obviously, I'm not a player, so I can say it. But I thought he might be in trouble for a tackle on Alex with it, and he's gotten away with that one, which he'll be happy about. And sorry, Sonny, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, that, yeah, there was a physical game at parts. Um, but, yeah, it, this is probably the lowest key week for the MRO I think we've seen throughout the entire 22 rounds. So the players will be happy. Absolutely. Uh, injury news? Yeah, obviously a couple of big ones uh, going around. Darcy Moore was a significant one from Friday night. Probably going to be the All-Australian side, I would have thought. Been a fantastic player all year for Collingwood, obviously the skipper. Uh, he was subbed out with early with a hamstring. Now, post-game, the comments were all pretty positive. This is doesn't seem too significant, maybe precautionary. Uh, but you've got to have scans on this stuff. You've got to make sure that everything is all clear. And if it's not, then you're in trouble. Now, at a, as a minimum, I would say he's going to miss the last couple of games of the regular season. The hope would be when you've got the bye as well, then that turns into a three-week gap. And then that's typical for a, a standard hamstring. He's a two- to three-weeker. And then he'd be available for that first final. So that would be the best case scenario for them. John Noble, they're also on a watch there with his ankle. He's become a really important player for them too. So keep an eye on Johnny Noble. Uh, Over at uh, Hawthorne, devastating for... Chad Wingard yesterday, yeah. the, the classic Achilles injury. You saw the replay. It looks like he'd been shot in the back of the leg um, and, and just grabbed for it straight away. It, it, where he's at with his career, um, you know, he's it, it, he was probably playing well enough to get another year, whether it be at Hawthorne or somewhere else that's looking for a veteran to top up the list. And obviously, if it is a ruptured Achilles, and we're yet to hear that confirmed, but if it's a ruptured Achilles, that's, that's nine months to 12 months out of the game, which would – you know, be very hard to come back from for a player like Chad Wingard. Yeah, absolutely. Other news is that uh, Oscar Allen hurt his shoulder in that derby, but they're saying that's on the minor side. Yes. And Libba will be missing with concussion. Yeah, Libba will miss a game. He was out early in that game. Just a, a completely accidental collision. Got cop, copped one in the head, a lot of claret coming out, uh, and he'll miss this week's game against West Coast, though. So I don't think they'll be too worried about Libba missing a game. Might be a good chance for him just to have a nice little rest. Before we let you go, what is the word over there on West Coast? We talk about Adam Simpson and whether or not they're just going to persist with him until it starts to look like they're on the upward trajectory. Mm. Is that the case or what's your feel over there on the ground? Yeah, that's still my, my feeling. They've been very, very consistent in saying that Simo is their guy. He's got two years to go on his contract, which would make it difficult to move on. You've got 
caps, salary caps, soft caps, all these things going on. So you can't just hand over, you know, a couple of million dollars and walk away from it and be fine. Um, there's all kinds of penalties that come with that. Uh, and also, I think they do believe that he's had an extraordinary set of circumstances, particularly in the last two years with injuries and all kinds of chaos going on, that you cannot be your best version of yourself as a coach. So I think they'll back him in. Results like Saturday's Derby, very hard to push through. And if they have another couple of floggings to end the year against the Bulldogs and Adelaide, the noise might start to come again. But my understanding and my belief is that he'll be there next year. Uh, and they've already started to see some of the veterans leave. Shannon Hearn's gone. Luke shuey has gone. Nick Nananui is weighing up his future as we speak. And I think it's unlikely he goes again next year. So I think that they're already starting to make some changes. But I think Simo will stay at this stage. Geez, you've been unbelievable today on debut. This is one of the great debuts of all time. <laughs> Ryan Daniels, thank you very much for your time today, buddy. No, thank you, Daisy. It's a pleasure. We'll see you again next Monday. This has been the Footy Talk Podcast. Tomorrow, Joey and Rui. Listener.